whatever's appropriate. Welcome those of you who are online. Glad that you are joining us. I'm excited about this message. We're, we're coming back from a little bit of a men's retreat hangover, and it was a lot of fun. God moved in a super special way uh, with our men. Um, I love our men, and, and I mean that affectionately. I love them. I love their souls, and it's just something special about coming together to worship God. It's just pretty special to do that, and uh, being with, with other men, and we're, we'll have a, a video, I think, next week to show you about everything that that happened there, but but very cool, very cool to be a part of it. Um, men's, it's uh, men's. You guys are gonna have to. Um, I I think I got four hours of sleep over two nights, so I'm catching up a little bit. But uh, baptism is coming up. Uh, we're gonna do baptisms again on Easter weekend. So if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized, this is your opportunity. Uh, baptism is a public demonstration of your faith. And the Bible talks about how important it is, you know, in, to do this. And you read about this in, in, uh, in the early church. So I want to encourage you, if you're interested, you can scan the QR code in front of you and let us know. Sign up. We'd love to do a whole bunch of baptisms on Resurrection Day. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, also, uh, I want to thank all of you from a personal perspective, personal level, for your prayers. Uh, my wife lost her younger sister to cancer, and she passed away December 30th, last, last day of the year, or close to. And, um, and we went to San Antonio, Texas last weekend to be part of the funeral service, and I just appreciate all the love, all the love and prayers, and, and uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Grace, uh, and, and we are sensing the presence of God. We are sensing his peace and his comfort. We really are, and, and uh, it, it's, a, it's praise the Lord for God's faithfulness. Life is short. Let me just say this. While you have breath, make sure you are right with God. And while you have breath, do whatever you need to do to make right with other people as well. Make sure there's forgiveness and grace in your relationships while you have breath. It's so important. Uh, grace flew back to from, from San Antonio to Denver. She flew back, and, and I had to drive back. Um, not because she didn't want to fly with me. I just <laughs> had to fly back. So I, uh, I, uh, I went to the, this rental car place, and I said, oh, I want a midsize car. And I was thinking, gosh, it's a long road trip. And and uh, while we were driving, while we were in San Antonio, we got this cool car. And, and I was like, oh, man, this would be a really cool car. And uh, it, was a, it was a Dodge GT Charger. I was driving around. So I, I go and I, I, uh, at the, I'm driving during the week and I say, hey, can I take this car to Denver? And they said, no, you can't. And well, they said you can, but with like a lot of money. And I'm like, I oh, forget it. So I went with another car rental company. And I asked, told them, hey, this is what I need. And, and they said, well, okay, I'll sign up for a mid, you know, midsize. And when I showed up, they said, we don't have a midsize, but we have this car. And it was the identical color, identical model as the one I, God is so good to me, guys. You have no idea. God is just so good. I mean, what are the chances? And I looked at it, and the first thing I thought, oh, God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord. And Grace is like, is this okay? And I'm like, yeah, this is okay. I can drive this one. So I, uh, anybody have like a sports car kind of thing? I felt like I went through a midlife crisis just a little bit from San Antonio. All I needed my, was my silk socks and, you know, that kind of thing and my tight shirts to... Anyway, so I, I went ahead and I, uh, I drove this thing, and um, 
Oh my word, there is another side. <laughs> and I felt the power behind it. I went ahead and I confessed to uh, a couple of our cops here and I told them, look, I just, let me just, I wanna confess. You know, maybe it's the Catholic, the old Catholic in me or something. I took it a little bit fast. I took it just over a hundred a couple of times, but nobody was around. It was okay. And it felt like butter. I'm just telling you, that thing could have gone 120, 130. I know it could have. You know, my Xterra, if I'd have done that, the whole thing would have been shaken or something like that. It would have been like the Millennium Falcon or something. I don't know. But I, but I uh, uh, and then I thought, well, what if I, and I, the rest of the time, I was going the speed limit. So just want you to know, every, everyone was okay. And, um, but I was thinking, if I got pulled over, I'm wearing like my prime hood. And, and I'm thinking, what's going to happen in that small town? And I'm going to tell him I'm a pastor. And he's going to be like, yeah, right. And then if he was going to tell me to walk in a straight line, you know, I, I, you know I'm still working through dizziness from Ramsey Hunt. So I'd be like, you know, <laughs> no, no. Anyway, I was like, this would not go down well at all. But I, I thought, gosh, this thing is tempting. This thing is tempting. And then I thought, I could become addicted to this power. I could become addicted to this thing. I think I could go back home and tell Grace that God told me he wanted me to buy a sports car, a Dodge GT Charger. We always throw God into stuff. You know, God released me. God told me. And the reason is because nobody can argue with that when you do that. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I thought I could probably justify it and say the kids are, are older now, they're graduated from college, or going to college, and I deserve this. You know, and then I thought, gosh, that would all be wrong. But then I thought, I think this is how addictions happen. I think that we get, we get kind of a, attracted to some sort of power and that kind of thing. And, and today's message is called Help with Addictions. Help with Addictions. We're in this uh, series Called, uh, called therapy sessions, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about addictions. Now, when you think about an addiction, a lot of times we think it might be related to alcohol, and maybe, you know, we're in Colorado, maybe it might be pot, you know, Mary Jane, it might be that. Uh, it, it could be that, or it could be something else. It could be porn, could be lust, it could be uh, gambling, it could be a lot of things, it could be a lot of things. Um, here at Thorn Creek, we have so many people, praise the Lord, that have, have gone through addictions and are on the other side of it. Glory to God. We celebrate days of sobriety here, and I'm so excited about it, and that's a great, great thing. Um, our guest speaker, who is uh, from North Dakota, and he came in to, be, to preach at our men's retreat, and he told me, he said, Reuben, this church, he said, your church is so authentic, and that's why guys enjoy being here, because everyone is so authentic, so real. You come as you are. We love you to Jesus, and everything is good, <laughs> and that's what we do, and, 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 and he feels that. So addiction, here's a definition we can look at. To cause to become physiologically or psychologically dependent on a habit-forming substance. So as I said, it could be alcohol, drugs, porn, opioids, prescription drugs, um, caffeine. Anyone addicted to caffeine? Yeah, that's, that's me. Uh, uh, my name is Ruben. <laughs> we have uh, our latest uh, hire, our Daniel, who's our student ministry director. 
he's not addicted to caffeine, to coffee, yet. And, uh, and we're, we're working on him as a staff. And so when we go, we always tell him, here, the first one's free. Just go ahead and take this coffee. It's not bad. Put a little half and half in there. Put some cream in it. This has a little flavor. It's so good. And he's like, eh, I don't know. So we're always peer pressuring him because that's what good pastors do. And we're trying to get him to that point. Um, as far as addictions go, you know, early on, I had a problem with um, chocolate milk. Every night, I drink chocolate milk, and it was a problem. And uh, <laughs> uh, But seriously, I, got, I remember in my life, there was a point when I didn't know Jesus, um, alcohol was big in my family. Alcohol. You may not know that, but, but I, I grew up with it in my life, in my grandparents. It was just part of our culture, part of our life. And that was something that I had to work through a little bit. Drugs was something I had to work through a little bit as well. And uh, I, I, there was a season in my life that I just kind of went to that. And it was very much something that that's what I thought about. That's what I thought about. Um, today, I don't do any of that stuff anymore um, for my own personal reasons. You know, I turn to Jesus, and I don't want anything to have a hold on me. I want to make sure I have a sober mind. I want to make sure I make good decisions, pleasing God, pleasing to God. And I also saw the consequences of a lot of that stuff. I saw a lot of those consequences. In fact, when I counsel people, a lot of times that's part of the, the, um, the story. Um, when it comes to today, I thought about what, what do I have an addiction? And I think the closest thing I have is um, social media, looking at your phone. And, and I, I found myself swiping and scrolling for hours. Anybody else have this problem? Uh, you swipe and scroll for hours, and let me just tell you, it's not, it's not limited to any age. It's not limited to any age. Sometimes we think, oh, it's, it's the teenagers. No, 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 no. I have counseled couples, adults, 40-plus-year-olds, who got addicted to social media and got involved in a relationship with someone they shouldn't have been involved in and was refusing to unfriend that person, and today they're not together anymore. So the social media is just an opening. It's just a, it's just a channel. It's a pipeline for a lot of things. Anna Lemke, a psychiatrist and an addiction specialist at Stanford, said this, just about all of us have a digital drug of choice, and it probably involves using a smartphone, <laughs> the equivalent of the hypodermic needle for a wired generation. Ouch. I think when it comes to addictions, first of all, we might not want to call it an addiction. I think that's pretty, and then the other thing is if we know we have an addiction problem to whatever it is, the next thing is, I don't care. I like my addiction. I don't want to walk away from it. That's just the truth. I enjoy it. I like the pleasure that I get from it. So why would I want to give it up? And we can become defensive if somebody says, hey, man, you're looking at that too much or you're doing that too much or whatever it is. We can become defensive about it and we can guard it. Because of, it brings us, you know, this dopamine. So we're like in a guarded and like, you know, I like the pleasure that comes from this. What are you addicted to? What are you addicted to? Sometimes we think, oh, addictions happen to weak people. Not true. What are you addicted to and you don't know it? That might be the bigger question. What are you addicted to? 
and you don't know it. Um, there might be a lot of things, and we, we typically think of, you know, stuff like, you know, these substances or whatever, but we can have other addictions in our life. Uh, we can have things that have a hold on us and not realize it. The stuff that has a hold on us. I mean, like, what about resentment, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, pride? What are some things that might have a hold on you and you don't realize it? When it comes to people who struggle with addictions today, um, any person, any addict, whatever that looks like, they don't wake up one morning and say, today I'm going to become a drunk. Or today I'm going to become addicted to porn. Or today I'm going to become addicted to gambling. Or today I'm going, and it's going to destroy my life. I'm not going to think about anything else. And it, we don't think like that. It starts off gradual. It starts off gradual. Perry Noble said, not getting out of an addictive behavior is going to cost you something. I think that's part of the nature of being in some form of an addiction. There's this thought that I'm in control. I need it every night, but I'm in control. I do it often, but I'm in control. I need to look at, but I'm in control. And it's not affecting my reality. So I can somehow go to this place when I'm tired or I'm discouraged or I'm worn out. It's private, nobody knows. So no harm and no foul. Truth is, it's impacting your spiritual life. It's impacting your relationship with God. As I looked at, um, you know, we took communion a little while ago, and I thought about our relationship with God. And uh, it, um, I, I love talking to men, you know, during men's retreat. It's so cool seeing a guy kind of start at this point and seeing how God works in their heart. And then by the time they're over here, um, on the next two days, three days, and sometimes it's two years, three years, whatever it is, as they, if they stay on the right road seeking God, eventually this version over here, the walls are down. This version over here has humility. This version over here has this teachable spirit. This version over here has a desire to put God first and to please God. It's a beautiful evolution that happens when someone turns to God. And I thought, about, I thought about Jesus. You know, God went through great expense to send Jesus Christ into the world 2,000 years ago. Great expense. And I thought about what Jesus brings. And one of the things we always think about is, oh, he's kind of a road to heaven. And that's true. You know, John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's certainly true. But there's many benefits of walking with Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you see this, uh, you see this message that he wants to set you free from anything that has a hold on you. He wants to set you free from anything that has a hold on you. Anything. Anything, that, anything that's keeping you from God's will, anything. And in fact, when Jesus first started his public ministry, he stands up in the synagogue and he's about to throw down a message. And he says this before he does it. He says, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointing me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
so this is this is cool. I mean, think about this. This is good news. This is good news. You may have had bad news, things that may happen. People may have said things that have been discouraging, but this is good news. You have a God who loves you and cares about you and wants you to know his will and wants to help you in this world today live a righteous life. He wants you to enjoy it to the fullest. This is good news. This is good news. And this is so important. Let me, I mean, I, I don't know if you really get this. Let me just ask you this. If you utterly believed this is good news, would you read it every day? Hello. It's good news. These are the best posts. This is the best feed. Right here, baby. Lick it up. Eat it. Devour it. It is so good. Then he says this. Check it out. Verse 18. B. Second part, he has sent me, this is Jesus talking, he has sent me to proclaim, what church, proclaim what? Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed, what? Free. Turn to the person next to you and just tell him he wants to set you free. Just do that. Tell him he wants to set you free. Now turn to them again and say, did you hear me? He wants, to set, he wants to set you free. So when you look at Jesus, everything about Jesus is this idea that it's not only salvation. It's not only heaven. It, it's, it's much, much more than that. It's, you can know Jesus Christ at a personal level and experience the trans- transformation that comes from the Holy Spirit working inside of you, and you can experience that, and you can experience this freedom, this freedom inside of you. And I, I thought, you know, you know, you'll see a video of this um, next weekend, but when I went up on the stage at one point, and we were singing praise, and I said to the men, if any of you would like to come forward, <laughs> this is... Thorn Creek Church weekend version, guys. (laughs) This is not men's retreat version. If any of you would like to come forward, feel free to come forward. It was just as polite as that, just as gracious as that. And uh, and everyone came forward. A lot of people came forward, and we were jumping up and down on a stage and dancing for the Lord, and the stage was just like... I thought we're going to break this stage, but I had this beautiful perspective in the middle looking at all these guys with this smile on the face, and I thought, ah, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and there's this freedom that comes when someone is set free, they don't care about what other people think. When someone is set free, there's a joy inside of them that is unshakable. When someone is set free, they have a new peace that surpasses all understanding. And you think that's exactly what Jesus wants. John chapter 8 says, so if the sun sets, oh, let's read this out together because it's a great memory verse. John 8, 36, go. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Wow. Now, do you think that's Mostly free indeed. You believe that? See, the power of God is greater than the power of an addiction. There's nothing you're facing in life that is greater than the power of God. That depression, that anxiety, that addiction, that doubt, whatever it is you're working through, 
There is nothing in your life that you're facing that is greater than the power of God. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Um, Jesus wants to set you free from anything that is holding you back from God's purpose for your life. Anything. And it could be, you know, spirit of pride or jealousy or desire to control or whatever it might be. Um, the Lord led me to Psalm chapter 107. And I want to share a little bit with you. Psalm 107 describes uh, the Israelites. These are God's chosen people that you read about in the Old Testament. And when you look at the, the Israelites and their relationship with God in the Old Testament, you see this roller coaster. You know, you see them being obedient to God. You see them turning away from God. You see them walking with God. You see them walking away from God. You see them worshiping God. You see them worshiping other gods, and you see that. And it really, really helps us because we could identify with the Israelites, right? We could identify with this up and down thing kind of sometimes. But, but there was a time when they were held captive because of their sins. They were exiled, and they were in slavery, and they were in, on pagan soil, and, and they had regret, and, and they just felt like they were, they were in bondage, spiritual bondage and little bondage because of their sins. Psalm 107 talks about that, but it also talks about the love of God. So as we look at this, I want you to see the love of God, and I want you to see this spiritual captivity as well. Verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Say he is good with me. He is good. And then read this out loud with me. His love endures forever. Psalm 107 starts with God is good and his love endures forever. Beautiful. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands from east and west from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settled. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's command and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to a bitter labor. They stumbled, and, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? This passage describes this time when Israel was in literal bondage and prisoners of their own spiritual decisions and, 
and they were slaves. They lost their freedom. They didn't enjoy life. Verse 10 said, some sat in darkness and utter darkness, prisoners of suffering in iron chains. Um, the word addiction, the word addiction is derived from a Latin term for enslaved by or bound to. Enslaved by or bound to. That's what it means. You know, look, I mean, God is so good. When I was studying this passage and, and praying and saying, God, how can I help? How can I help people understand the power of an addiction? And how can I help people understand the power of your Holy Spirit and help them understand that you're able to set captives free? Um, how can I do that? Um, the Lord showed me this, and it just so happens there's this idea of, uh, of an addiction is this idea of being enslaved by or bound to. That's what it means. Um, I need a volunteer. I didn't ask anyone to do this. Can I get one of my men up here to help me out? Raise, stand up really quick and come up here. To somebody. Oh, come on up here, brother. Cody's going to come on up here. He's such a manly man, too. <laughs> come, around, come around this side, brother. Come around this side. Um, <clears throat> he has no idea what I'm about to do to him. Um, you don't have to say anything, but I just want you to stand here, and I want people to understand this is what an addiction looks like, all right? But make sure you turn this way so everybody uh, can see you. So this is what an addiction looks like. Okay. <clears throat> I want you to wear this around your neck. This is real. <laughs> this is real. This is real. Uh, I'm coming this way. You got to hold on right there, brother. We get, I don't want anything to be on the ground, okay? And we're coming up this way. There it is. Do you feel that weight? This is what an addiction looks like right here. And, and when you start wearing this long enough, what's going to happen is he's going to start adjusting to this weight little. But you don't really adjust. It, it might start hurting his back if he lives with this long enough, and it's going to affect even the way he walks. His gait will change. He won't be able to run like he used to run because this thing has a hold on him. And because he, he's, he's in, in these chains, you know what? There's a feeling of weakness, a feeling of defeat, a feeling of discouragement, a feeling of a very private battle that nobody else sees or knows. He feels the weight of this in a way that nobody else feels it. It's real to him. And when he goes to bed, he feels it. When he's discouraged, he feels it. Whatever it is, this is something that, this is how an addiction, this is how the devil will get a hold of someone. And what God does, when someone turns to Jesus, this is part of what he does. He just starts doing this little by little, and he says, you don't need this anymore. This is, I'm going to help you. Doesn't that feel good, brother? <laughs> that feels so good. And let's be, I want to be careful. Thank you so much. And he sets it all down. And then whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. Doesn't that feel good? Thank you, brother. You can sit down. Thank you. Thank you. That's the power. I mean, this thing, I, I feel like I'm going to, this is like I'm getting doing reps this weekend. With this thing is so heavy. But that's the power of an addiction, and that's what it does to you. You have this private life. And let me say this. Sometimes we think, we think uh, gosh, someone who's caught up in that and, 
And, uh, you know, how did, they, how did they get there? How did they get there? Almost always, someone who's caught up in addiction, there is some point in their life where there was pain or hurt. There is pain or hurt in their life. Maybe it was a loss of a, a job or maybe they were in a relationship and it just, it just went south and tore open their heart. Maybe they lost a job that they loved or, or maybe circumstances around them just fell apart and, and it kind of drove them to this place of, I need to do something to numb my hurt and pain. And it was just supposed to be one time. And it went on and went on and went on. And so when you see someone like that, you need to pray for them. A lot of times, in, you know, do you know anyone who is living a life and they have this around them and you, and you see it and you want them to be set free and it doesn't happen? Here's why. You can't decide when someone else gets better. You can't make that decision. But you can pray for them, baby. You can pray for them. Because <laughs> you can't decide. That's why I hate the devil. I just hate the devil because I can see, I could see inside someone's soul and I can see when they're enslaved to anger or enslaved to bitterness or enslaved to jealousy or enslaved to whatever. And I see that I'm like, oh my goodness, you don't have to carry that with you. You don't have to carry that with you. You could know a different life. See, because they go through life like this and they go through normal stuff and they stand in line at Starbucks with this thing and at Chipotle and they're at traffic lights with this thing and, and they're at home and they go to work with this and they say good morning. They might even go to church and you ask them how they're doing and they're, you know what they're going to say? Good, how are you? Fine, how are you? So we adapt to this thing. I don't even want to hold it that long because it's so heavy, but that's what we do. We just adapt to it. There's a story in the Bible, in Luke chapter 15, um, one of my favorite stories. It's called uh, The Prodigal Son. Some of you church people may know that story. But I encourage you to read it. It's a good, good story. But in this story, you see this um, young man. He has a brother, but this young man, um, the son, he tells his dad, Dad, I want to cash out. I want my inheritance now which even that alone is pretty remarkable because dad's not dead yet. But he's saying, dad, I wish you were dead. I'll take the money. So he tells dad, give me the money now. I'm done living under your roof. I'm done trying to follow your rules. I'm done playing the game. I went out. So the dad in this story, very loving father, gives him his money. And the dude goes out and scripture says he wasted everything on wild living. The guy literally put money out there and spent it on prostitutes and did everything else that you could imagine and just lived it all out because he thought that's what's going to make me happy. So he's pursuing all of these pleasures. And verse 16 says, the young man became so hungry, so eventually he ran out of money, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, this is part of the love of God. Sometimes God, well, many times, God will allow you to go down a road that you should not be going down, but he respects 
your free will. He wants you to choose to turn to him. He wants you to make that choice yourself. And sometimes God says, all right, you go and go down that road. And then God lets you taste the, the, the vanity, the emptiness of that decision. And that's part of the love of God. Sometimes we can pray against God's will. Let me say it like this. Sometimes people go through hard times, and it's God's will for them to go through hard times because he wants to humble them. You, you catch that now? And we can say, God, deliver them from that. And God certainly hears your prayer, but God has a bigger agenda than them finding a job, than them making more money, than them whatever. He has a bigger agenda. He wants their spiritual mind to open. He wants their spiritual eyes to open up and recognize that we're just passing through and this is so short. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. That phrase is like my favorite phrase in this whole story. When he finally came to his senses. Isn't that good? And that's what you pray for with people who, you know, you see, you see them, you know, in this situation and you're like, gosh, I, I, you know, they don't have to live like that and they don't have to struggle in life and they don't have to, I mean, there's another side. They don't have to. And then you're waiting for them to come to their own senses. And let me say this, at every point when someone is set free, at every point when someone says, you know what, I, this thing, I, it has a, I don't like who I am in the mirror, there's always this point that begins with them saying this to themselves. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't, oh, oh, put that up, Megan. I don't want to live like this anymore. That's a good thing. That's called self-awareness. That's self-awareness. When they're like, okay, this thing that I had, I better switch hands, my left arm's getting hard. <laughs> this thing that I had that, that is like, has had a hold on me, I now realize this thing's robbing me from life. I now realize this thing is robbing me from trusting people. This thing is robbing me from serving God. This thing is robbing me. And at some point, they look at them and say, like, I don't, I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to be that guy. I grew up with that guy. I don't want to be that person. Then verse 18, Jesus says this in the story. He says, the, the, the guy says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Now to see the second part of this, there's this first part that says, all right, this is a problem. <laughs> it's affecting my life, my relationships, maybe my marriage, maybe the way I treat my kids, maybe my view of church, my work, my joy. You know what? I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. And then the other second part is I need to make things right. And there's this confession that happens. There's this confession that happens. You need to be willing to confess your sins to God and make amends with people 
you've hurt. Now, here's the hard part for us. The Bible talks about this word confession, talks about um, this word uh, repentance and uh, what, that, what that means. And literally, repentance um, is this idea of I'm, I'm doing this and I'm going this direction. And repentance means a change of mind. So it's this turning and saying, okay, I'm going to go a new direction. I'm going to follow God's will. I'm going to seek after his heart. I'm going to live my life and align my life with the values that, teach, that Jesus teaches. I'm going to align my life with God's will. So that's, there's this confession is, is um, part of repentance. Now, here's, here's our challenge, guys. Um, repentance is more than saying, I'm sorry. It's more than a feeling. Remember, we, we judge ourselves based on our intentions, don't we? I'm not that bad. Right? So we can, we can within our own selves, we can, we can say, I feel sorry. And because I feel sorry, that's enough. There it is. Win. I, I've confessed. I feel sorry. And God knows my heart. So I don't have to do anything else. But confession or repentance is more than feeling sorry. You know what it is? A decision. Feeling sorry is part of it. But the other side is, I'm going to decide. I'm going to make a choice to go down a new road. I'm going to make a choice to make things right. I'm going to make a choice to ask for forgiveness. It's a big F word. I'm going to make a choice to ask for forgiveness. And this is all part of it. You know, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's hard for us to confess our sins, maybe to God. Or maybe it's even harder to ask for forgiveness because, um, because of pride. It's always easier to look at the faults of other people. Isn't it? I mean, when you look at your own faults, they're not that big. But their faults, oh, man, they're a project. They got a lot to work on. So then we spend our time managing our image and doing all this. Let me just share with you a secret. The people that are sitting by you, the people that know you, the people that live with you, they know your faults. <laughs> they know them. You're fooling yourself, bro. <laughs> Sis. I don't know what to say, sis, chica, girl, I don't know, women, lady. I better stop. Kaylee will tell me, Ruben, that's not proper. She's always correcting me. I'm, I'm a mess. Uh, um, but they know your faults. And even more, they still love you. Isn't that good? Grace, oh my word, guys. I am a mess. I am a project. I have my bad days. And grace sees them, and there's times when I do things and say things. I know it's hard to believe as a pastor, but there's times when I do things and say things that I totally regret. And I'm thinking, I sure hope the church never hears about this, you know, hot temper that I just let loose. I don't feel good about it. And my wife loves me and cares for me and forgives me, and I'm just so grateful to have a woman like that. Why is it so hard? You know, the brain. 
The brain is why. According to Yale Medicine, uh, when a person develops an addiction to a substance, it's because the brain has started to change. And this happens because addictive substances trigger an outsized response when they reach the brain. Instead of a simple, pleasurable surge of dopamine, drugs can cause dopamine to flood the reward pathway 10 times more than a natural reward. And the brain remembers this surge and associates it with the addictive substance. However, the chronic use of the substance over time, the brain circuits adapt and become less sensitive to dopamine. So that's why like willpower is like not enough. It's just, it's gotten to a level where you're literally battling your brain. Uh, Mark Twain famously said, giving up smoking is easy. I've done it hundreds of times. <laughs> That's what he said. And I'm like, I can relate to that. Aren't you glad you have a God who doesn't give up when a relapse happens? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful we have a God like that. How do you do it? How do you overcome an addiction? How do you do it? Your first step is to cry out to God. Cry out to God. When you read in Psalm 107, it says, then... I cried out to God. God is your higher power. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But it has to start with that self-awareness. It has to, have, you know, where you're like, you know what? I can be better. This thing is holding me back from reaching my full God-sized potential. This thing is holding me back from the freedom that God wants me to experience. And it has to be that self-awareness. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to get right with God. And then it's, God, I need you. I need you, God. I need you. Some of you are going to make that decision here in just a little bit. Get ready. I need you. I need you. Cry out to God. You have this God who loves you. Let me say one more thing to those of you who know someone who is bound by something. You cannot shame them to victory. You cannot shame them to freedom. You cannot shame them to a better life. Here's the truth. They don't like themselves right now. That's the truth. They don't like themselves right now. It's not about the shame. You know what, you know what this whole Christianity thing is? It's about the love of God. It's about the love of God. Because when you realize the love of God and his unfailing love, then you just throw everything on him. And you don't worry and you trust him with your future and you want more of God. The devil does not want you to discover the love of God. And I'm so grateful in this church, we have people who are working through stuff. And I, wanna, I just wanted to put this on the screen so that we're all on the same page. Here it is. Thorn Creek Church is a place for messy people. Hallelujah. I just want to make sure. So if you have it all together... Guys, there's a lot of really good churches. I want to, I'll, I'll give you a list. You can go find a really great church, and they all have it all together. This is a church for messy people. We're all a work in progress. We're all growing in our faith. We're all growing in our faith. How do you do this? Set a quit date. I'm going to stop here. Change your environment. 
change your environment. If you know this is something I've been working through and it's thing is a hold on me, sometimes you might have to say, you know what, I gotta get a new friend. This friend is not helping me. <laughs> this friend is encouraging this. Maybe you need to throw some bottles away in your house and you're thinking, this is just not helping me. Maybe you need to uninstall an app or, or maybe, um, you know, you got a corkscrew in your house or something. You're like, okay, this isn't helping me. I got to get rid of this corkscrew or, or, or whatever it is. Or, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, quit that account because it's, it's a problem and, and I see it now. And, and you have to declare war on that thing and say, okay, I'm going to change my environment so that I'm not going to get caught up in that. And the other thing is distract yourself is when you find yourself with that urge, the best thing to do is to pray. There's this thing in the Bible, actually in seminary. It's called prevenient grace. Prevenient grace is when God is watching over you when you're not asking him to watch over you. Prevenient grace is like God loves you even when you don't love him. God is working in your life even when you are not following him, going to church. It's a beautiful thing. You have to remember, he's a God of unfailing love. And there's so many times I know when I was far from God, I can look back in my life and I see his prevenient grace. And I thought, God just didn't let me go that far. He stopped it. God was in it. I can look at it now that I'm on the other side and I can look back and I'm like, gosh, God is so good. Thank you, Lord. If I would have followed through, if, I, if it would have gone to another level, who knows where I'd be right now. It was his prevenient grace. So distract yourself. Pray. Think about your past attempts on quitting. Here's an important, important thing to do. Just as important to understand how to quit an addiction is to understand why. Say why with me. Why? Why you started it. Because there was something in your life that made you go that direction. Sometimes it's that abandonment, fear of abandonment. Maybe it's that hurt, that pain. There was something specific that caused you to go that direction. And, and after, some of you just need to ask God, say, God, help me understand the why. Then your next prayer is, God, invade my why. <laughs> I need you to, I need your presence in my why. I need you to, I need the power of the resurrection in my why. That's powerful. When you experience the power of the resurrection in that <laughs> resurrection, <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> Did anybody hear that? This is on video right now. We are live right now. I didn't say, I said resurrection. I didn't leave off the R. I said resurrection. Grace got me a cup from a contracting company. It's like a building and it's called Erectors. And I said, baby, I can't drink coffee out of that thing. What are you talking about? Anyway, let's, I lost all of you, right? I lost, everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. <laughs>
Everybody's gone. Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. I'm gonna hear this tomorrow. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna hear this. So, uh, where was I at? Oh yeah, the power of the resurrection. When you experience the power of the re-resurrection, the resurrection in that space of why God changes it. Are you, I'm gonna just keep going here. Uh, create a new support group. That's why it's so important to go to church, guys. Come around people who are also striving to seek after God's will. Also striving to know God. Also striving to align their life to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Also striving to be set free. To be set free. Here's the overshadowing theme. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for his good. His love endures forever. Verse 8. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. In verse 21, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Do you see that? His unfailing love and his unfailing love and his unfailing love. God loves you. Here's the goal here right here, guys. I'm going to just throw this out. Here it is. God wants to be your greatest addiction. Jesus wants to be your greatest addiction. Like, ain't nothing going to stop me from going to church to worship with my other brothers and sisters. There's nothing that's going to stop me from reading this post before I get started in the day. I got to read something. I got to spend time with my God. I got to pray every day before I get started. I need to hear a word from God. God, open up my ears. Give me ears to hear you. I prayed that with our guys who were going on the soul walk. And when you get addicted to God, his will drives everything. Not my will, but your will be done, right? Here's the opportunity you're going to have. I want to pray for you. Some of you came to church or you're, maybe you're watching online. Hopefully you didn't tune out after I said that word. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and you came to church like this. You don't have to leave like this. Is that cool? I want to say a prayer for you. I want to say a prayer for you. God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. And thank you for your love. Your love is amazing. Maybe you need to turn to Jesus and that's your first step. So you want to become a Christian and say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I want to become a Christian right now. I repent of my sins and I ask you to help me. Get behind the steering wheel of my life and help me. Help me to live. Be Lord of my past and present and future. Others of you, you've got this burden, this chain. You're enslaved by something. Maybe you're enslaved by it and you don't know it. Say, God, I need you. Jesus, set me free right now. I turn to you. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. Thank you for your presence, Lord, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. I pray also for those who are about to give their tithe, their offering. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.